You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 691 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On the show today, we will be talking about the new dressage tests to be used in 2023 with someone who helped write them, Nadine Schwartzman. After that, Anastasia Kerwood promotes a great cause, Strides for Equality Equestrians. Lastly, Reese will bring a tip from her weekend of scribing. Reese Scoffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are you this week? Well, I already introduced what you were up to this weekend. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's this week, actually. So it is Thursday. It's, it's kind of strange. So we have the Haggard Mid South Teen Challenge event here, and it's a big event. It, I mean, they go from, I think, the three star all the way down all the way down to beginner novice. So it's a, it, it's an enormous competition and, and I have riders that are going that went in the three star today that are in the two star and all levels, but our local mid South, uh, organization our GMO, one of them here in the area, uh, you know, you have to do your volunteer hours. So I love to scribe because for me, you're, you're obviously you're, you're, you're volunteering, but you're also kind of getting continuing education and you're listening to the judges and you're seeing things. So, um, I always take this Thursday, which is kind of a random day. And it's, I do it every year. I've done it for the last four or five years and, um, yeah, it's great. So I actually have a trainer tip coming up later, but Phil, I, I actually thought of you because I was driving to the horse park today and it had snowed. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was, it instantly turned into grumpy race. I was like, no wonder why you're grumpy Phil, because yeah. <laughs> it's October 20th. Snow is cold. That means it's, you're probably going to be it was very sitting cold. in a booth somewhere mm-hmm. cold. Yep. Well, thankfully I had the sun on me for uh, the really cold part of the morning, but then it got, cl- you know, it got cloudy actually. Uh, and the booth, uh, <laughs> got cut, you know, there was no more, but I was prepared. I had, I had, that's the other thing. If you're going to volunteer or go to a horse show, you know, take, take all the things you need. So I actually, I had, I grabbed an extra horse blanket on my way. I ran to the barn this morning and grabbed another blanket. I had one in my bag, uh, and, and water and, and a little snack. And, you know, cause I was there for five hours or so. And, uh, they did give us lunch, which was very nice, but I wasn't sure what lunch was going to be. So I was prepared. I had my water. I was ready to go. And then, um, but I did grab an extra blanket and some of the hand warmers and toe warmers. I was very thankful for those items. Uh, but no, truly, I mean, we're kidding along, but really volunteering is awesome. But truly that is how these horse shows work because I, I can't imagine the number of volunteers they need to run this event. And obviously a Thursday night is, is hard to, to cover, so, um, Arthur's day day. So I was happy to do it. I, I like doing it every year and I learn, um, and it's nice to sit with the event judges and kind of see it's really no different, honestly, what they're looking for. Uh, but when you sit in that booth, it changes your perspective. So that was quite cool. So we're still kind of gung ho here. October is quite busy with events. Uh, we had a dressage show last weekend, uh, that had a couple students showing in and then an event this weekend. And then, 
an event next weekend. So there's still a lot of stuff going on here. We were um, we were talking about this last week. So are you still old school paper and pen? Yeah. Yeah. This event was paper and pen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had was, all my pens. How is your handwriting? You know, um, <laughs> at one point when I couldn't feel my hand, it got a little, uh, but it, it is interesting because in eventing, they have a test ride. So, which was okay. good. Did you a little practice. Yeah, because there was four or five movements that came incredibly quickly. So, you know, we got by the end of the 30 rides or however many we had, um, we kind of knew it. And my judge was like, okay, here we go. And and it was it kind of rapid fire on, the, but that was good. And I think people are nervous to scribe. I mean, truly, you'll be fine. It's not, it's not that usually the judges are really a flow good. of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and also like, you don't start at scribing it like pre-St. George or something like get to get your feet wet in right. the, in the lower ring or in the, you know, earlier rings. And, and, uh, you know, because I think in, in training level there, there's a lot of, a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of time, yeah, you know, exactly. So, yeah. So you'll hear some, <laughs> you'll hear the, the reader read the test or read the movement. Then it'll take a minute for the rider to ride movement. Then you're going to hear the movement again, you know, yeah. uh, or whatever the next thing is. And so there's a lot of, you know, and that and that's for people who want to, you know, who support staff of of people for the riders who will need a reader. You know, like how often or how many times over over a weekend will he's like, can somebody read for me? And it's like, yeah, uh, step one, you should have had that prepared. Step two, the person who is going to read for you at the show should probably, you know, read for you before, you know, at home so they know how. But anyways, that's just no hating on readers, Phil. I'm well, not here's my on readers, but, <laughs> but it's just a, a lack of preparedness by the writer. Like, will someone well, read for me? It's like, OK, uh, I, I'm going to be I'm, OK. Uh, I'm going to say I almost always have a reader because in, and the reason why is typically I personally will have, you know, that we coach 20 tests. Right. So. I will always, I always read through my tests. I always know where I'm going, but I like to, especially the lower level tests where, you know, it could be H or C and I can't remember. So I actually, I don't mind reading for people. My rule is you cannot ever be mad at your reader. If you're not, <laughs> that's the, t- that, that is true because, you know, if, if the reader makes a mistake or, you know, you don't know your test, but I have found, um, that sometimes having a reader, some people love it. Some people don't like it, but you're, you're absolutely right. You should practice with your reader. Number one, uh, we are very lucky in our team, uh, Stanley, who's our, one of our biggest supporters and one of my biggest supporters, she is the best reader. So she practices and she reads for everyone. So everybody knows Stanley does it. It's, it's her role and she does a great job at it. Um, so we have kind of a designated reader who is a judge and scribes a lot. She's wonderful, but I, I, I do, I'm okay with readers. I don't care if that helps people, um, you know, with your anxiety or, or helps you not make a mistake. Fine. Uh, you know, you have to do know that number one, you can't be mad at your reader. And eventually you're going to have to get rid of your w- reader and get rid of your whip at a regional championship. So as long as you know, those things, I'm, I'm softer than Phil, everyone. I'm not as grumpy. Oh, um, <laughs> like you just can't be running around looking for a reader at the, in the morning That's of the day you're going to ride. Like, I mean, I, yeah. Okay. It's all about being prepared and and you know and having because it, it is yes. nerve inducing to the person who yeah. is going to read for you because they don't want it. they they want you to be successful. Yes. So they don't want to be the reason that you know. And that, I that think you should have a paper you, copy for that person. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't reading on the phone is I hate reading on the phone. I like I'm old school. I like a paper, but um, like the phones. A, yeah. Our national federation produces a book, an omnibus. Yeah, has- we do too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We have a book too. Um, so, you know, if you are, are going to get a reader, give them a book, make sure or, or printed to give them a test, paper yeah. coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or all those things. Yeah, I not think off that- a phone or an iPad or something. No, I just don't like to do it because, uh, I like to watch the test so I can give <laughs> constructive feedback to the riders. But if I'm reading, then I can't do that. Can't. I can't watch That's why I tell them. I'm like, I can't do everything. Can't do everything. I told, I told you that <laughs> earlier today. I can't do everything. <laughs> I Phil Grum to be everybody. Phil Grum to me right before we got on. I wish we had a hot, you know, a tip of it. He really grumped to me. And I was like, oh, okay. That's where we are now. <laughs> but uh, it was fine. I was I was asking for something and he was doing something else. So it was funny. Yeah. But I can see why. No, I, I I agree with you. You need to have it organized and um, you know, you you need to I I get your point, but I don't mind it. And I think sometimes it helps anxiety, especially early in the season and kind of going into what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks is we're going over the new tests. So today, Nadine Schwartzman is going to go over, she was on the test writing committee. She was one of the trainer, one of two trainers on that committee. Uh, and she's really cool to listen to. Um, we've done our interview and I think you guys will really like it because it talks about some of the rationale and and the things and, and how the tests evolve and the committee work. I mean, I can't imagine that that was a lot of work on that committee. And so I think you'll really enjoy that. So uh, we're going to have a commercial break from KPP and come back with Nadine and she's going to talk all about writing those tests. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Tonight, we are so excited to have Nadine Schwartzman from Eagle, Idaho. She's a bronze, silver, and gold medalist. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, we're thrilled. So, Nadine, you were, uh, I think this is a good thing. I, you made it through, but you were on the, the USDF test writing committee for the new tests that are coming out, and it's the hot topic for us. And we wanted to uh, chat with you a little bit about that. But uh, to start the conversation, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, I'm a Grand Prix international dressage rider. I'm originally from Germany and immigrated to the United States in 2008. And I now have my own training um, and competition stables in Eagle, Idaho, just outside of Boise. 
Fantastic. And so Nadine, tell us, this is, this was, I'm sure a lot of work. Uh, some of us, well, all of us on this call have done a lot of committee work and um, uh, some of them are, are more work than others, but I can, I can imagine this was quite a lot of work. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the process to start with? Yes, it was a lot of work, but it was very gratifying. And it was probably my favorite committee work that I have ever done because I felt like we were really making a difference and my input was uh, important um, and appreciated. Um, and I could really make things better for our horses and riders. So that I really loved about the work. About four years ago, Gary Rockwell approached me to be one of the two trainers on the test riding committee. There's mostly S judges, uh, international judges on the committee, um, but they always like having some trainers. Um, the other trainer with me is Chris Hickey. And uh, so we get to give our input um, on our on our opinions on what would be better, what would ride better, what would be better for, for our students. And Gary knows that I have students at every level from training level through Grand Prix and that I also still ride every year, every level from training level through Grand Prix. So he thought that would be um, a really good job for me. And I'm glad he asked me because it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's super important to get uh, input for from all the stakeholders who are going to be involved in riding, training, teaching the new test. So uh, USDF renews their test every four years. You know, what, why do you why do you think that that is? Why do we need new tests? You know, uh, Sort of, it feels like all the time where, you know, when we were st stuck in the pandemic, we weren't riding and a lot of people weren't showing. You know, what's the idea behind renewing the tests? I think it does force us to um, review the tests and make them better because sometimes something seems great on paper and you think you did a great job writing the test. And then once you see it written more and you, the judges get to judge it more, then it doesn't seem like as good an idea anymore. I know the old first level test three, the one leg yield was away from the judges. Us riders probably like that quite a bit because there was a lot of room to hide. Um, and I personally can say I've gotten very good scores on that and could kind of, you know, cheat a little bit in the front. But um, the judges didn't like that. And after four years, they had a very strong opinion on that and said, hey, riders, we really can't see very well from behind. So could we change that? And I think if you do that every four years and keep tweaking the tests and keep making them better for everybody, for the horses, for the riders, for the judges, then you end up with really the best test possible. Yeah, and I agree because I think like the first level test one, that also got changed. I happened to to be looking at it with a student last night about that. And, and that first level test was very hard and it probably didn't look like on paper, but you had to do a trot canner lengthening within the span of the short side, basically. And it, it was really difficult. It's the first time you were ever going to ride a lengthening in the canter and and so that was changed as well. I'm I'm sure there were some complaints on that one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the jump from training level test three to first uh, level test one was was steep, um, and I think it made it very difficult for a lot of greener riders and also you know horses to make that successfully. So in the committee, we actually all agreed on that, and we removed the length and striding canter, which I believe is the first that that's been done. 
Um, so mm-hmm. it was a bold move, but I think it will make things easier and it will be a nice bridge test to prepare horses and riders for the first level test two and three, which then, of course, have a canter lengthening. Um, but it gives you an opportunity to dabble a little bit, to try out your 15-meter canter circle, see if you can balance that. You can have the smaller half 10-meter circle in the trot returning to the track um, and also the trot lengthening. So there's still plenty of new things um, to experience, but not everything all at once. Yeah. So I'm really and quickly. <laughs> oh, I think that was uh, great. I think that was, I was so thankful. It was like the first one I, I read because that's a, that's a been a, been a widely difficult problem for sure for a lot of riders. What were some other changes that, that were made through the levels? Um, so the third level wasn't really changed um, much at all. So that one we, we really liked. We thought it was quite successful. I personally am not the biggest fan of the shoulder into the Rambert in third level test two. Um, but I did agree with my colleagues that the Rambert is a really great schooling tool and that it should remain in there. But I do feel like, unfortunately, that test is underutilized because of the Rambert because we don't see it written very often. So that level really didn't get changed a whole lot this time. Um, the biggest change and the probably most exciting change is fourth level test three, in my opinion, because here we took out the half counter canter circles, the half 10 meter circles and counter canter, which I think kept a lot of people from riding fourth level. And fourth level has gotten a bit of a bad rep over the years where people say, yeah. oh, I'm going to sit fourth level and I'm going to ride pre-St. George. And then we ended up with riders and horses that were over phased at pre-St. George because you do need a bridge level from you know, to go from third level to pre-St. George. And fourth level was supposed to provide that. But the old fourth level test three was so difficult that it was often deemed more difficult than the pre-St. George in some ways. Um, So I don't know if you've read that test yet, but I think it flows beautifully. Um, The shoulder in is now on the rail instead of the center line and flows into a half pass. And then, like I said, the biggest change is those um, dreaded half. (laughs) I like those. We had those in my young rider test 20 years ago. So maybe it was drilled into my head then that we had to ride those, but everyone hated it. You remember it used to be in the young riders. Yeah. And they're still in the developing pre-St. George. So they're still in there. Um, (laughs) But I think it sometimes depends. So you have to cater a little bit and we don't see huge numbers in fourth level. And I think that's still that notion that, oh, I'm just going to skip it. Um, and I think the way it's written now, it is very inviting. Um, there's now a canter half pass to the center line into a half 10 meter circle onto a diagonal where you then do your half working pirouette. Almost looks like a freestyle. It's quite beautiful. I just had um, one of my clients write it this morning because we have a um, symposium with all the new tests at my facility in a few weeks with Joan Darnell. Um, so we're starting to put all the new tests together and take a look at them. And so I got to see it this morning and it, it flows. It's really nice. So I think we're going to see a lot of people actually using that test. Yeah. I think a lot of people are a little bit like me, whereas we're, well, I'm not ready to, to um, start working on the new test because we still had some, some shows, you know, to ride the, the old tests on. So I was like, Oh, I'm not going to, you know, introduce this to the horses, but um, I think the point about the test is that you're not limited. Don't limit yourself to just doing the test patterns. Um, you've got to be able to ride a little bit above your level. And so even though the tests don't include 
the 10 meter circle counter canter and figure eights and all that stuff. I mean, this stuff is all good to be able to ride and it's great for developing the horse's strength and straightness and, you know, all these things. But uh, I think fourth level has consistently been the, the series of tests that, you know, where whoever was riding them got like super creative. And now, now I have to do this and do, you know, to make it different than the pre St. George. And then it, it didn't always feel, uh, super progressive into into developing towards the FEI level. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And Nate Edenfell, I think this is actually an an interesting point because I don't think it, it just because they're new tests doesn't mean the old tests are bad, right? Yeah. So it's it's actually exactly. a good thing to keep both of them sort of if if you're let's say riding fourth level, don't necessarily throw out the half turns, right? That that is something that's still good for that level. Or yeah, get where I'm going with this, and that is use all four or three of the tests, depending on what level you're doing. You know, use the tests from before, right? The new ones are great. Don't throw away the old ones. Yeah, I think that that can bring also some variety to to the work as you're training that level, right? Yes, I actually often um, pull the tests from Germany, so I stay a little bit up to date um, how they develop their tests over there, and I usually have all of their tests in the stables as well, and use pieces out of that in my training just to keep things more interesting in my lessons mm-hmm. and in my own training as well. And then also look at the FEI pony tests, the children's tests, junior tests. They're intricate and they're quite difficult. And there are a lot of mm-hmm. really nice movements in there that you can integrate in, in your everyday training. You're never going to show them. I mean, if you're any older than 21, you're not doing any of those mm-hmm. tests anymore. But they're still fun to play with. And we use those patterns all the time. And I think if you're gonna if you're gonna be doing uh, a freestyle and you want some ideas for your freestyle, yeah, look look at uh, all, all those things, old tests, you know, the different young riders, junior tests to to give you ideas. Just make sure that if you're designing a freestyle, that you uh, look at the directives and that you do not practice or put anything in that is not allowed into your into your pattern that that may that may get you eliminated if if you're if you've got something in there that's not at the level, then uh, this this is kind of a a judge pet peeve. Thank um, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like halt to canter, or you know, yeah. this is yeah. you know, this is not allowed. It's it's great to try to make interesting patterns and interesting movements, but there are things that will get you uh, eliminated, and and you and you can't say, oh, nobody told me or or whatever. I mean, that's that's kind of the way it is, right? Absolutely. No, I think you guys have a very good point in keeping all these tests in mind. Um, You can definitely use them for freestyle development. For example, in training level test three, we um, went back to a version more similar to the 2015 version of the test, replacing the uh, three-loop serpentine now again with a shallow loop at the trot. Um, I personally really like that shallow loop in the trot, especially I ride a lot of big moving young horses and I always felt like I can present them 
nicely on that shallow loop as long as I show a clear change of bend in the movement. But that doesn't mean that I don't ride three-loop serpentines anymore or four-loop serpentines. I'm with you, Nadine. I I tell you, I'm not going to get as many walk steps uh, walking out that three-loop serpentine with all my students. So that's a little bit of a problem for me. But I think going back to the one loop, we're all going to appreciate. So I think that's a good point. (laughs) But Nadine, thank you so much for all your time. This was a lot of time and effort from all everyone that was on that committee. We thank you guys very, very much. And uh, if our listeners have any questions or want to find you online, how do they do that? Um, they can find me on our website, and that's www.lebois-dressage.com. Or you can find me very easily on Facebook. I'm very active there, just under my name, Nadine Schwartzman. Or you can find me on Instagram as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nadine. Thank you for having me. What a beautiful day. Well, everybody had a favorite morning drive show in the days we all listened to radio. They were goofy, funny, and entertaining. You can have that again, only this time it focuses on life with horses. We are here every weekday on your podcast player. Search for Horses in the Morning and come join us. We are a little goofy, hopefully funny and entertaining, and you might learn something along the way, too. We are the world's leading daily podcast about horses since 2010, with over 2,600 episodes for you to binge on. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? Pull your phone out of your pocket, blow off the hay, and subscribe to Horses in the Morning. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Anastasia Kerwood. She is a co-founder of Strides for Equality. She's a USDF bronze medalist. She's an author. She is the chair of the Commonwealth Institute of Black Studies at the University of Kentucky. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Reese. I'm happy to be here. We've got to say you board at Karen Isbergs and Karen's a huge supporter and friend of ours on the program. So she, you girls were just riding together. So we love that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I know we're in the barn. Like we are most nights every night we're sweeping and primping and feeding and all that. I love it. I love it. Well, um, we're so happy to have you on and, and I'm, was thrilled. We we are on a bunch of committees together. We see each other at a lot of different events. And um, tell us a little bit about Strides for Equality. And because uh, I'm really excited, I'm I'm part of the the online fundraising auction, and so we wanted to kind of shed some light and uh, have you tell us about it. Well, I, I yeah, I, I I'd love to. Um, so Strides for Equality Equestrians was founded in the summer of 2020. So two years ago, and this month, uh, we are celebrating our second birthday. And so we're calling October C month because our acronym is C, Strides for Equality Equestrians. And what it was founded as is an organization that raises the profile of equestrians from diverse backgrounds and also helps people express support and what we call allyship for equestrians from diverse backgrounds. So um, if you think back to the summer of 2020, um, many people were dealing with the the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and many people were saying, well, what can we do? And what wound up happening is that I was interviewed by U.S. Eventing Magazine, because I I was an eventer uh, in my previous life, 
Mm-hmm. And um, and they knew that I am an equestrian of color. Um, I I am uh, uh, African American, and uh, my they knew that I also have some experience with Black history. So they contacted me. They said, "Okay, you've got to talk about what it's like to be black and be an equestrian." And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what I think, but you know, I also think that you should talk to a wide variety of people." Uh, including equestrians who identify as white so that they can talk about how they might want to welcome people into the sport. Well, it actually wound up being difficult to find someone who would speak on the record, but I did point the magazine to my dear friend who became the co-founder of C, Heather Gillette, and she was um, uh, really eager to show her wanting to be an ally and when all this process was over, she said to me, you know, we really need to create something that helps, uh, helps people uh, express some solidarity. And so Strides for Equality Equestrians was born. Oh, that's a, that's a cool story. And, and just kind of bringing it together for people who want to support equestrians of diverse backgrounds. So you're, you're currently doing a fundraiser. This is online, I'm sure. Um, of can course. You, yeah. <laughs> Can you direct people to that and and why you're raising money? Where will the funds go to? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the um, the easiest way to get to the fundraiser is on our website stridesforequality.org or on Facebook Strides for Equality, and um, you'll see our logo, which is a purple galloping horse. So what we uh, envisioned initially was simply. Uh, raising funds, having people express their support, um, and everybody got a pin for any donation. And then we were compiling all the donations and giving them to various equestrian access programs uh, around the country. And so that's the model that we started with. And then what happened was that we, we telegraphed our intentions and people started bombarding us with ideas. So now what we have is a program for professional pathways. Um, We've had several high-profile event riders up to this point um, donate their time um, or have a sponsor donate time with a particular trainer. And so we have scholarships that are called ever-so-sweet scholarships that are all expenses paid two months experiences in a professional eventing barn. So the farrier, the lessons, the entry fees, the trailering, the board, everything is covered. And um, and we have been able so far to award the scholarship to three very deserving and brilliant young uh, equestrians of color. And so uh, we are supporting that. We are also supporting uh, mini camps with other riders, um, and we're supporting education. Um, so opportunities for us to travel and talk about talk about our work. Um, so what we we have we always have the donate button on on the site, but what we really wanted to do was to get our get our friends involved. Um, we've built up friendships over the years. Kentucky Performance Products is one of them. Um, and um, uh, Eventing Nation is another one of them. We have a number of sponsors. Uh, Correct Connect is another. And so multiple friends of ours came through with items. 
uh, I should say that uh, Reese is also one of the donors. Uh, Reese donated a lesson, which is either virtual or in person in Kentucky. Yes. So if, if listeners <laughs> have always wanted to ride with Reese and just needed an excuse to yes, is know, it. do it, <laughs> this is it. Um, that is it. So can, I'm excited yep. for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and whether you're here or or uh, anywhere in the world, really, you could you could do your virtual lesson and support rights for equality at the same time. And so, um, you know, it's just we have so many ideas to implement. We have not as much funding to implement them. Um, and so it, we are we are just wanting to both raise our profile and uh, and raise some funds so that we can we can keep our work going. I love it. I love it. I was I was thrilled to to participate. And like I said, that's why we wanted you to come on because we want people to go to the website. So how can people find the website? Find the auction. I mean, it, when you look at the website, the amount of programs, even with the little bit of funding yeah. you have, is amazing. So if we can just increase that funding um, and let you girls run even farther with it. That would be amazing. So how can they find that online? Yeah. 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 Exactly. You're right. A little bit goes a long way. Yes. Um, and so um, stridesforequality.org has a link to our blog post, which has a link to the Facebook auction. And the auction is literally on Facebook. Um, if you are on Facebook, I, I'm guessing a lot of people, listeners might be, um, you can just directly on Facebook go to Strides for Equality and, um, again, look for our purple running horse. And what you'll see is um, you'll see an announcement with some instructions of how to bid. So that can tell you how to bid. But I can also tell you that you should click on our photo albums. And there are photos of each of the prizes that you can win in the auction. Um, we have everything from a bucket of summer games to a golf excursion that's worth $2,000. Um, and it's in Philadelphia. It was donated by some friends of C in Philadelphia. And so all you do is you just go to the photo and put a comment there. And that's your bid. Um, so if you, um, I think the starting bid for the golf outing is $500. Uh, the starting bid for the summer games was, I think, $35. But it, uh, sorry, it's already gone past, I think <laughs> it's already gone past that. But but still, you could get in there. Um, and, and, and remember that when you are placing a bid, you are directly supporting strides for equality. So even if you wind up, you know, um, paying a little bit more than retail, uh, every dollar goes to the cause. And we are not yet a 501c3, but we use um, the uh, U.S. Eventing Foundation as a sponsor 501c3. And so you are donating to a charitable organization through the U.S. EA Foundation. So, you know, just bid, bid the stuff up. Uh, if you really want it, get in a bidding yes, Let's fun. make some money. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Anastasia, you're also an author. So we wanted to plug yes. your book as well. Can you tell us about your book? Yeah, sure. And by the way, you can bid on my book. I was a donor yes. to the auction. Uh -huh. <laughs> now we're talking. Of, <laughs> of, of my of my upcoming book. Uh, there is a bidding war going on. I just, Good. I love, you know, I love a bidding, a bidding war. war. 
I, I love a bidding war. Everybody, let's do a bidding war on my on my on my on my lesson. Let's go. I like yes, there's nothing more that it. I like to hear a bidding war. I'm like, yes, yep. buddy. I yes, love it. So tell yes. us about your book. Yeah. Yeah. So so um so the book is uh, a biography of Shirley Chisholm. And Shirley Chisholm, uh, some people remember her, but a lot of people have forgotten that 50 years ago, she was a black woman who ran for president. And people sometimes think that Obama maybe was the first black person and Hillary Clinton was the first woman. Uh, but actually, there were others before them because uh, people tend to have a short memory. And this woman, Shirley Chisholm, ran for president in 1972. So about 50 years ago to, to the day almost. And um, she was born in New York, in Brooklyn. She was the daughter of immigrants from Barbados. And her story is incredibly inspiring. She was basically came up from a working class background and she became a New York State Assemblywoman in the 60s. And then she became a, a U.S. Congresswoman. And she was the first black Congresswoman to, to, um, to serve. Uh, in 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 this country, and she served in Congress for 14 years. But in the meantime, she ran for president, and um, she said, "You know, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to start us out, and somebody has to say has to break down these barriers." And it, I think it's going to be me. And so um, she's just a, a really charismatic um, figure. And I I did my best. I am an academic. I did my best to write a book that would be exciting to read, uh, or at least mildly interesting um so i hope it's What's readable more exciting than, than history the truth that you know i like, know it's phenomenal yes, yes. it's phenomenal <laughs> well anastasia thank you so much for your time and your passion um we love it and and again um everyone go to the uh strides for equality equality.org dot org and uh yeah. let's get this auction going so thanks so yeah. much anastasia and, for your time <laughs> we appreciate it oh oh it's it's been a pleasure. It's been fun talking to you guys. And thanks so much for, for sharing our story. So, Phil, I thought I would take the reins today on the trainer tip. Because of my scribing this morning, I uh, actually was making notes as as we were doing the test, not mental notes. And then I wrote it down because um, I thought it was really interesting. So I scribed for the three-star test for eventing. So that's kind of between second and third level. There was shoulder in, there was half pass, there was no flying changes, but there was a serpentine of three loops with simple changes. So kind of between second three and third one is kind of the level of the test, just so everybody kind of were on the same page. So um, one of the things that was really interesting was number one, um, the center line, right? Um, they did not halt on the center line. They came in and they did a canter to trot transition. So it's a little bit different, but so they're, um, they, sorry, they entered in canter. They entered in canter and okay, they did and not halt, but um, they very much had to do a transition on the center line. And you could tell the riders that came in and were really, ready for that transition. So it'd be similar to a halt transition. They had to trot, but the straightness was huge, right? I mean, they nailed every rider if they weren't straight. So that was number one. And that was very much a movement that they could have practiced. And then the second one was the shoulder in, you know, out of 30 rides, we maybe saw two, maybe three good shoulder ins. 
So really pay attention. Now we were on the side, so it's a little bit hard to see, you know, from C, okay. it would have been a different, it yeah, would have been different a different angle, but we could see a lot of neck in. I saw more neck in than I actually saw shoulder in and the riders just got killed on that. And, and again, this is, they should, this is not their first time doing the shoulder in. So that was interesting was, um, so be very careful when you do that and, and almost even give a little bit on the inside rein to show the side judge that you're not pulling on it. Cause that was pretty consistent was that it was neck in and the judge hated that. And then the half passes also, they just didn't have enough bent overall through the body. Um, so they had to ride a shoulder into a half pass to an opposite 10 meter circle. So a lot of bending questions. And I will tell you the riders that did the 10 meter circles, I I don't know if they just skipped over them in their mind and like, Oh, it's just a circle. Everybody got lower scores on the circle than they did on the shoulder and in the half pass, not everyone, but majority, which I thought was fascinating because I think that's just a good reminder of every point not is it, I mean, a circle is worth the same as a shoulder in. So don't forget the basic things that you're doing. You think, Oh, a shoulder in, I think they probably took their eye off the prize. Right. The other thing is just the size of the circle, the geometry and bend of the 10 meter circle was a huge issue for the group. And and there were four Olympians in this group, right? So it was not a, it was an, a very high quality class of eventers, but so that was really interesting. Um, the next one was be bold in your lengthenings and your, they had mediums, but be bold. You know, a lot of them were just really conservative and I don't know if they were worried about the horses breaking, but majority, you couldn't see a clear difference, which also affected the transitions. So they lost scores in two different places, which I thought was interesting. There were two halts in this test. And again, I wrote almost square most of the time on all those halts. So they had a halt, which was a separate score because if you messed up your halt, that also messed up your rain back, but that was two separate scores. So, you know, make sure you're paying attention to this when you're looking at your tests, that where the boxes are, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, Phil? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The halt no, was its it, own box. Yeah, you're going to get your own score. Yeah, yes. there's a lot of um, it's a lot of things that kind of run into each other, but are also super related. You know, like you yeah. said with the with the medium trot. I mean, you get one score for the medium trot, and then two one scores, score for one for the uh, before and one for the for the transition. In this after. test, in this test, it was grouped. So you know, so your before and your transitions were together. Um, so yeah, but it was two scores. So if you made a mistake, oh my gosh, it became very, very expensive. So, um, so that was, that was something to really pay attention to. They had a lot of walk, actually. They had almost a diagonal and a half of walk and, and just practice your walk. (laughs) I know that sounds so silly, but a lot of the horses just weren't moving. They were so tight over their top line and tight in their back. Um, it was also very cold. I will, I will give everybody that. Um, but you know, they lost a lot of score the points in the walk by just not allowing the horses to move forward. And then on the serpentine with the canter walks, if it says canter walk, no trot steps, but you also don't want to ride a halt. 
So you really, it became expensive because the serpentine had three scores. It had two, you know, one each transition and an overall serpentine score. So that serpentine became, and it became quite expensive. So that's important to, to think about. So that came into also, um, then they had to ride. It was actually quite difficult. They had to ride a three quarter diagonal and extended canner or medium canner, and then a very short counter canner piece, less than 12 meters and had to trot in the corner. Um, and that one was hard. Like I could see why the riders, the judges like, why aren't the riders riding more forward? And I was like, cause they're worried about a flying change number one. And they're worried that they're not going to be able to get the horses back in the corner. So, um, so that was, that was an interesting movement that's where tricky, I yeah, could, that's a tricky yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, it was tricky. Um, and you know, again, these are pretty fit event horses and it was 27 degrees this morning. <laughs> so, uh, it was, it was a tricky test, but that one you could see. And I, t- I kind of was, you know, the judge and I were chatting and I was like, I can kind of see, I don't know how you clean that up without making a major mistake. So that was the the big thing. And also just remember your turnout. Um, you know, some adventures don't care, but when the team riders came in, I mean, you could see why they were team riders, right? Beautifully tailored coats, which is actually not expensive to get your coat tailored. Um, we have a cute yeah, tailor. She does mind. online. Yeah. I had mm-hmm. to have mine fit. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was about a hundred bucks. Yeah. hundred bucks. And, and truly you, know, you don't have to have an expensive. Or, or yeah. Out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, so that's worth doing. Yeah. A hundred percent. And and those team riders, I mean, obviously they're, they're fit by fitters um, because the team wants the coats to look beautiful uh, and they looked great and their turnout was beautiful. Their hairnets were, their hair was in a hairnet, et cetera. And you, you don't think about that until you see it. Uh, boots polished, all of, all of those things actually matter because um, you can really see it. And the other thing is, and we've had a judge came that, that came on the show as well that said this, but it is nice to say good morning or good afternoon, you know, be to pleasant. the judge. Yeah, it did be pleasant. Kind of a shitty morning. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it is actually kind of is nice, you know, especially and also the scribe who's sitting there who's not being paid to sit there. Um, they're <laughs> volunteering to be there. It's nice to to say good morning. So that was another thing. Um, but uh, it was a great experience. Uh, I'm always, always thrilled that I can do it and uh, I enjoy it. Um, and I learn a lot and it just reminds me of, of things that I want to tell my students uh, and tell you guys. So I hope that helped. I hope that was a good tip, but uh, it definitely, definitely makes you look at your test differently. You're not looking at your test. And for me, you know, I'm a trainer. I, I don't love wearing my judge's hat, right? It's not my, it's not my favorite hat, but when you're horse showing, it has to become your favorite hat. It has to, and and we're kind of still getting ready for finals. It's it's in our minds, and uh, thinking about that specifically is 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 important. So, yeah, I hope that helps. All right, fantastic, great, <laughs> great, great job going out there in the cold. <laughs> Thanks. Easy. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. It was fun. So I'm glad to do that. And um, but we actually got a great. Um, I think this came from the Facebook page. Uh, you're going to take this one. Oh, yeah. So um, somebody had sent us a message about uh, good, uh, you know, we have the book club, but uh, good books for people who are kind of new to dressage or want to know more about dressage. You know, what's our recommendations on this one? That's a great question. I always turn back to one of, one of my first, we talked about this with uh, Martha from uh, Trafalgar Square. 
about you know one of my first books that I I think I got it as a Christmas present or something when I was twelve, or whatever. But Sally Swift's book, mm-hmm. Centered Riding, is it Centered Riding or cent- Centered Rider? Anyway, mm-hmm. that that was just a fantastic book. Yeah, I mean everybody really enjoys that and it's inspiring. I think another good one would be uh, Jane Savoy's Dressage One or One. You know, you're just trying to get a, a you know not too deep in the weeds with with dressage training. You just need some overview or some explanation of the terms that you're going to hear, whether it's on you know our show or you know we always try to explain things uh, in in simple language, but there's a lot to it, right? There's a lot to dressage and what you want to know about, you know, what are they talking about, you know, with throughness or, or, or whatever it is. So yeah, there's uh, there's a few of those books that are sort of written for the lay person. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta kind of know what's going on, but yeah, for, yeah. for the lay person and how to, how to understand the sport a little bit from a less technical, I mean, there's lots of real technical kind of nitty gritty books, but uh, try not to uh, recommend those too much because, you know, those kind of books only are written, written towards dressage geeks and, you know, like you and I, but not, not, (laughs) not everybody who's going to sit down and read a 400 novella on what's the, what's the best way to PF, you know, like (laughs) that's interesting, but not, not for everybody. Was there, was there any books that you could, uh, well, I like Dressage and Harmony by Walter Zettel. We did cover that in the book club. I can't, I can't remember when. Uh, that is my favorite. That's a little bit more advanced, but I think it's very good at, at describing the scale of training. And it's one of my favorites that I like to um, like to give to people. So, um, yeah, But if yeah. you go ahead and go on to horseandriderbooks.com, there are lots of dressage books. Mm-hmm. Um, you can click on the section that says USDF recommended reading. There's a bunch of stuff in there and it's all, I, I mean, it's, I think it's all great. It's just what speaks to you. Right. And so that yeah. you can click on the book, you know, uh, view the, view the little, um, excerpt from, from the, from the back page usually. And if it piques your interest, I say, you know, go ahead and go for it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not going to really, um, regret getting more not like more knowledge is never bad so yeah I you know, love and, it. And, and, and books like you know books like this like you can start reading them and say oh this really isn't for me and you never know two years later you come back to it and uh and and then it starts to speak to you because you've yeah. advanced in your writing or in your knowledge and you, you know wh- whatever you know i have i have a lot of books here at home and 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 my wife also likes to read she goes through them like crazy she's always yeah. got two or three on the go you know so this is a <laughs> A very book friendly house, but uh, um, I, I think it's 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 fantastic to gain different perspectives and knowledge uh, f- from a book, and 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 lots of them have you know really great you know pictures now and, and all this stuff. So um, highly recommend horseandriderbooks.com. Absolutely, I love it, and uh, we do have a new book coming soon. We're not ready to announce it quite yet, but it is coming your way. Don't you worry. We haven't forgotten it, gotten everybody. So uh, Phil's working on that um, quite hard right now. So we will let you know as soon as we know. But as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. 
I'd like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, for allowing us to put on a good show this week. And if you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.